Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, the show where America is the star and the American people. And we'd love to hear your stories. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. The surge of children's books, school curricula, films, websites, plays, and exhibitions about the wartime forced removal and incarceration of Japanese Americans has, for the most part, been a good thing. There is generally one simple narrative that gets told. Our next story comes to us from Preston Jones, who is a professor of history at John Brown University and is also a Jack Miller Center fellow. The Jack Miller Center is a nationwide network of scholars and teachers dedicated to educating the next generation about America's founding principles and history. To learn more, visit jackmillercenter.org. Let's take a listen to the story. Mary McCommie arrived in Anchorage, Alaska with her immigrant parents soon after the town was founded in 1914. Her father, who in the U.S. went by George, had studied English before emigrating from Japan to the U.S., but he never mastered it. Mary's mother, Minnie, never became comfortable in English. I first saw a photo of Mary McCommie in an Anchorage school annual for 1929. After starting research into the city's history from its founding to the beginning of the Second World War. Given Japan's attacks on Alaskan islands and the town of Dutch Harbor during that war, I wanted to track what Anchorage's residents thought about Japan and the Japanese up to December 1941. 
When I first saw a photo of Mary, I felt sorry for her. After everything I'd read about the experience of Japanese Americans in the years before and during World War II, I assumed that she must have had a very difficult time. But then I learned that Mary made the honor roll as a first grader in Anchorage. I learned that as a 10 year old, she won an essay contest sponsored by the Bank of Alaska. Over the next months, I saw many photographs of Mary in Anchorage school publications and elsewhere. And I noticed that she had a lot of friends, as did her three younger siblings, Harry, Alice, and Flora. In various archives, I found short notes Mary had written to classmates. One was addressed to Louise, whom Mary called the best of girls and a sweet friend. I learned that Mary graduated in 1930 from Anchorage's school as valedictorian of her class, the first of the four Mikami children to do so. Then she went to what would later be called the University of Alaska at Fairbanks, where she graduated in 1934 with the highest grades of any student at the college to that time. The school's newspaper reported that Mary had eclipsed all rivals by nearly a 7% margin. After graduating, Mary went on an anthropological research trip to St. Lawrence Island. She wrote articles about the expedition. The student newspaper in Fairbanks noted that Mary was the only woman on the expedition. It said nothing about her Japanese ancestry. People liked Mary and her sisters and brother. They didn't care where their parents were from. Having a keen interest in anthropology, Mary worked at the University of Alaska Museum, which was directed by a graduate of Yale University. She was inspired by what he told her, and she applied to Yale and was accepted for graduate study. Traveling alone, she took a steamer to Seattle and a train across the country to Connecticut. As before, Mary thrived and gained friends. Her Japanese ancestry seemed not to be a barrier. This held through the Second World War. While Mary's parents, who had moved to California by late 1941, were interned along with thousands of other Japanese Americans living in the Western US and Canada, none of the Mikami children were interned. Flora, married to a Canadian, lived out the war in British Columbia. Mary and her brother Harry, attending Yale University, lived in Connecticut. Alice stayed in the Alaskan town of Palmer, where she lived well into her 90s. I had the privilege of speaking with Alice a few times. I asked if, the day after Pearl Harbor was attacked by the Japanese Navy, she felt any animosity directed against her. She said that if there was any animosity, she wasn't aware of it. It didn't take long for me to stop feeling sorry for Mary Mikami. There was no reason to. Soon I came to admire her, though not because she had successfully struggled against forces that intended to keep any particular group down. There's nothing in the surviving documents that suggests she ever faced such pressures. I came to admire Mary because she had succeeded the old-fashioned way. She took advantage of her smarts and the motivation her parents provided. She worked hard. She was decent. She didn't step on other people. She succeeded with grace. She earned her rewards. When Alaska Senator Frank Murkowski spoke about Mary after she passed away in August 1999, he used words like tenacity and extraordinary. Growing up in Alaska, Mary lost much of the Japanese she had spoken as a child. 
she spoke only English with her siblings. She made up for this later in life with research and trips to Japan to learn about her family's history and culture. She remastered Japanese as an adult. Her language abilities shaped much of her work as a researcher, editor, and teacher at Yale. She edited translations, worked with the Institute of Oriental Languages, and contributed to the production of academic archaeological journals. History, like the news, focuses on the negative. This is easy to do because history is about people, and people are complicated and do bad things. But people also do admirable things, and it's useful to see goodness where it exists. It's good to remember that there really is something to the American dream. Certainly, Mary Mikami would say so. Mary earned a doctorate degree in anthropology at Yale and married fellow graduate student Irving Rouse, who became a professor of anthropology there. Their son, Peter, became a senior advisor to President Obama. And a terrific job on the production, editing, and storytelling by our own Greg Hengler. A special thanks to Preston Jones, professor of history at John Brown University, for sharing the story of Mary Mikami. One Japanese-American story here on Our American Stories. Here at Our American Stories, we bring you inspiring stories of history, sports, business, faith, and love. Stories from a great and beautiful country that need to be told. But we can't do it without you. Our stories are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. If you love our stories in America like we do, please go to OurAmericanStories.com and click the donate button. Give a little. Give a lot. Help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hannah Storm and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.